this morning. Turn and shake hands with somebody you don't know and greet them.
person here. Open our hearts, lift our voices, be with Ken as he as he comes and leads us. We ask that you will be with each and every person and each and every heart. give our God a hand, huh? What a great God we serve. We, uh, we're thankful that you're here today as we serve our great God and uh, just glorify Him. Welcome to Crossroads uh, Ministries. Please take the friendship folders and pass them down the aisle at this time. We would certainly appreciate that. Just a, just a few announcements. God's been doing great things in our church. People are coming to Christ. People are, are, are coming into that growing relationship with Jesus. And so I want to encourage you as, uh, as, you're, as you're taking part of that, as you're growing in your relationship with Christ, bring somebody along and encourage them along the way to, uh, as we make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. So bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Just a, just a few announcements today. First of all, coming up uh, in just a few weeks in May, uh, we're having like a baby boom around the church. There's babies coming out of the woodwork. Out there, and it, it's wonderful. So we're going to have a baby dedication on May 21st, and uh, we're going to commit our children to the Lord here at the church. So if you'd like to p- participate in that, you've had a baby recently or or maybe just within the past few years, you'd like to dedicate your child to the Lord, let's, uh, let's sign up, call into, call into the church office, talk to Diane. She'll get you on our list here, and we will have you on for that. That's coming up just a few short weeks on May the 21st. And then, uh, then a, week after, uh, a week or two after that, I believe it's May 28th, there's a walk for the homeless coming up. I, I want to encourage everybody in our church to go out and be a part of that. Do the walk for the homeless. It's a 10K walk. I've, I've done this myself. Except whenever I want, I thought it was a 5K, 
And so I was wondering why it seemed like forever, because it was doubled, right? So if uh, I, I had done a few 5Ks, and I get out there, I'm like, man, this just will not end. And that's why, because it was a 10K. But if you say, I can do a 5K, you don't even have to do, you, you can do whatever. Just take it and turn around. I want to encourage you to stop by the Welcome Center for information. Roger Metcalf is going to be our leader on that. He'll be leading our team. We had a, a nice team that went out there last year. So we want to encourage you, jump on that team. Uh, you can help raise some support for the Light of Life Rescue Mission. That's, this will be at Hinesfield. Beautiful walk up and down Pittsburgh. You'll fill your Snapchat pictures or whatever, all this stuff, your Facebook. You'll fill it up that day. It's a beautiful day out there. I want to encourage you to uh, participate and be a part of that. Then we have coming up the June Jamboree, coming up in June. So this will be a big event here on the lawn, Friday, June 16th, June Jamboree. Our band will be playing out there. There'll be, there'll be all kind of games like we had last year. And then we'll have our movie night out there. So I want to encourage you, mark that on your calendar. That's coming up quickly here. June 16th will be here before you know it. And uh, we're, we're just looking forward to what God is going to do. And it's a great opportunity to invite somebody to check out the church, just be a part of the fun, and, and just love on some friends. So uh, a, lot, a lot of great things are happening. So mark your calendar for those events that are coming up. This time I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And uh, as they come, if you're here today as a guest, we welcome you to Crossroads. We're glad that you're here today. And if you're our guest, uh, please stop by our Welcome Center. We have a welcome gift for you. Glad, glad that you're here today just for coming. We have a nice gift for you. And uh, if you're our guest today, please feel free to let the plate pass you by. And uh, this is for those that are regular in the grace of giving. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and we just thank you for all that you're doing in this church God, you're moving in mighty ways. We're, we're seeing people come to Christ. We're seeing lives being transformed. And you're doing your work that only you can do. And Lord, I, I thank you for allowing us to be a part of the journey. I thank you for allowing us to, to, to be committed to you and to, to walk in your grace. Lord, as we give to you now, we bless your name. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thank the worship band, man. Excellent, excellent day today. Excellent. We are thrilled at what God is doing in the area of our worship. I just love to hear, you know, from the front, you can really hear everybody singing. It's awesome. You get to hear this choir voices singing unto the Lord, and I know that He is honored and He is adored. We're in a series called Love Like Jesus, How to Love Like Jesus. And, uh, you know, we come off Easter and think about the power of Easter. Think about the power of God and what He has done. And He's given us the power to live life. I, I want you to realize that your life, Jesus died on the cross. He came back to life again. He was seen of more than 500 witnesses for 40 days. Then He, he ascends up into heaven. And when He does that, He does that and He leaves you with a mission. Uh, he didn't leave us with a mission to have a holy huddle. All right? I, I think a lot of churches have that mission in mind. Well, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Here's all the Christians. We're having a holy huddle. All right? No rhyme, but it worked, right? So, uh, and here's what happens. We, we tend to get this idea that this is it. Well, this is not it. This is it. God created a movement where people were, where they scattered. He, he scattered the church. They, they went all over the place. There were, in, in the early church, in a rapid amount of time, there were 100,000 disciples. People came to be followers of Christ. Why? Because they had seen the living Lord. They were eyewitnesses to the living Lord, and they went out and they told people, hey, we saw this guy, Jesus, that rose from the dead. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in them lives in us. Today, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, and it's the power to live on mission. God has given you a mission in life. Our church, the mission of our church is not just to come and see what we can take in, but to go out and to to be the mission of God, to live this world, live and make an impact, eternal impact. Think about this. Jesus could have written in the stars, and I've said this before, that Jesus could have taken the stars and aligned them to say, Jesus saves. Wouldn't that be cool? Except he'd have to do it in every language, right? And he could do that. He could have just made all the star constellations instead of the little dipper and the big dipper would have had Jesus saves in every language unknown to man, right? He could have done that. But he chose to do something far more powerful than the range of stars in your language. He chose to use you. He chose 12 guys. He invested his time into 12 guys. And these 12 guys went out and they made a difference. And by the time Jesus leaves, there's about 120 that are true followers of Jesus. And then shortly after that, all of a sudden the church explodes and and there's 3,000. And then we get all the way up. By the end of the book of Acts, we see 100,000. But Jesus gave us power. He didn't leave you with a mission without power. And he left you with a mission with his presence. Matthew 28, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, uh, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And, lo, I am with you till the very end. Jesus has given us his presence. His presence is with you till the very end. His power is with you till the very end. So what, was, what, what I see in the, in the early New Testament, I see a church that went out and made a difference. They were out, they were active, they, were, they weren't making programs, they weren't building a church building and coming together, they were coming together in the name of Jesus and they were out and they were impacting the world and they were telling them, hey, I found the risen Lord. This God has transformed lives. This God will transform your life and he invites them to, uh, and they invite these folks to life transformation. God gives you power. So, so in our series, we're talking about the power to love like Jesus. Last week, we looked at how Jesus forgives. On the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And so the the very people that that were hating him, the very people that were killing him, he's praying, Lord, forgive them. They don't understand the depth of what's going on here. And today, I'd like to look at just a a few thoughts on how that Jesus loved people. 
Howard Hendricks was a, uh, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's often been quoted. This is one of his famous quotes. He says that you can impress people at a distance, but you can only impact them up close. You can impress people at a distance. You know, our team up here, our team does excellent. I'm so thankful for our worship team. I'm thankful for everything about our church. We have a great children's ministry, great youth ministry. But you know what? You can only impact from a distance. It's whenever we get up close and and personal. So, yes, we need to do these things well, and we do them well. But the next step is to go to impact, to be up close and personal. And so let's look here at Luke chapter 5. We're going to look at two areas today, Luke chapter 5, and then we're going to jump over to John chapter 13. But as we look at John chapter, uh, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5, you're going to see here that, that how that Jesus interacted with people. Uh, he didn't just come to preach. That was part of his message, no doubt. Uh, he had great large crowds of following, but he impacted people up close. Um, and it happened, Luke five twelve. and it happened that when, when he was in a certain city, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, can you make me clean? Now, understand something about a leper. We, you know, we, we, we hear this term leprosy. It's kind of something you only read about in the Bible now. But leprosy was a real issue. It was a real, real epidemic issue. If people got leprosy, you were quarantined. I think today that leprosy may exist in some small ways, but it's, uh, we were able to treat things with medicine like we've never been able to. Uh, but in biblical times, leprosy, a flesh-eating disease, and, and so what they would do is they would take and you'd have a leper colony. You'd be quarantined. Nobody, nobody was going to come and talk to you. Nobody would come up and get close to you. Uh, they were so afraid of this disease that, that it was a communicable disease that you would get the disease, and it was like, whoa, nobody. As a matter of fact, a leper was known as unclean. That, a leper wouldn't even be allowed in public worship. So here was a leper. A leper's coming, and a leper can't even come to sing praise to God. He can't even come in and sing oceans. He can't even come and sing any of these songs. Why? Because he's, not, he's banned from a public area. Today we have people with, uh, with serious diseases, and sometimes when we get around a communicable disease, we get a little bit afraid. I made those hospital visits where it's on the door. It says, please put the gown on and the mask, you know. You ever, you ever gone to one of those places, you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, I look really silly in those things, you know? I put the gown on. I'm like, I feel like I'm at Chick-fil-A serving food or something, you know? So I've got, I put the gown on and the mask on, and you're going in. I'll never forget the, the one time I went in, and I didn't see the sign. And I went in, and, and, uh, and the fella had actually just recently passed. I mean, I had just missed him, and he actually passed within 15 minutes, and the family was all broken. And, and the nurse was like, Dude, you got to get your mask on. There's disease in here. Uh, there, there's something highly contagious. And I noticed the whole family had theirs on, but I didn't think about it. Uh, years, years ago, whenever, whenever AIDS had first become, uh, hit the scene here, uh, I, I'll never forget, I was in New York City. And, uh, and AIDS, you think of a highly contagious disease. And, and of course, now we, we know a little bit more about it. But back when AIDS first hit the scene, I'll never forget, I was in New York City on a missions trip. And I had been there multiple times, and there was a fella that I knew from that church in New York City, and the pastor had told me his story before we were gathering. He said, I just want you to know that, and we'll call him John. He says, John, John had, has AIDS, and John is probably going to die within the next few months. But he is, he is following God. God has transformed his life, but this disease is gripping his body. I was like, oh, man, this is wonderful. God's doing a great work, right? Until we get into a circle. And we got had this little gathering, and uh, it's time, you know, how churches are notorious for hold hands and pray? And guess who was right next to me? John, the guy who had AIDS. And so I, I'm like, okay, Lord, uh, uh, okay. And so I remember holding hands and praying, and, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, God, what if I got AIDS? What, if, what would happen to me, okay? And now, of course, we know much more than that story, but this is how it was of a leper. Nobody would get near a leper. People, were, people would abandon the lepers. They, they, were, they were downcast. They were, they were the outcast. People said, man, they wouldn't even smile at them. They would, a, a guy, if he had money, he couldn't go anywhere to spend it because nobody would get near a leper. 
Uh, this is the leper who was full of leprosy. He saw Jesus. He fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, can you make me clean? Uh, a leper wasn't even typically allowed to approach somebody. He falls before Jesus, and then he put out his hand. Now, this is what's really wild. Jesus stretches out his hand, and he touches him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him. Now, now think about this. Jesus touched the leper. Did he have to touch the leper to heal him? Did you ever think of that? No, he didn't have to touch him. Whenever he went to raise Lazarus from the dead, there was a stone over, over the tomb or whatever, and he, he calls him to come forth. He says, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't go take the bandages off him. He didn't move the stone. Lazarus, come forth. Uh, we see other times that Jesus, you know, when Jesus turned the water into wine, he didn't touch the, the barrels of water. He said, hey, move these water. And he, he gave the guys instruction what to do, and then the water turned into wine. When Jesus did this miracle, he is ministering up close and personal. He is now up close and personal, and he comes and he touches a man with leprosy. Nobody touched a man with leprosy. Nobody. Not one priest. They are not going to touch a man with leprosy. This is unclean. The risk is high. Jesus comes and he makes a personal touch. A personal touch. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him. And he, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he, often, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus goes to the Father. He gets his energy. He gets his strength from the Lord. He prays to the Lord God Almighty, and then he goes out and he ministers. But when he's ministering, I share this with you this morning, he touched people's lives. He was not afraid to get dirty. He was not afraid of disease. He was not afraid of mess. So how did Jesus love? How do you love like Jesus? Let's learn from his example. We get up close and personal. We get up close and personal. It's so much more than something that's done on a stage. It's something that's done in your life. It's something where God has placed you. And, and I want you to think with me this morning about the people that are in your life that you may be afraid to touch. Oh, no, I'm not talking about AIDS or leprosy. I'm talking about the people that are so different than you. People that act differently than you, they think differently than you, they are on a total different train than you are, and God has placed you as their neighbor. God has placed you in the cubicle next to them at work. God has placed you in, a, in an area of need. He's put you in a restaurant whenever they have a, whenever they have a need and they're, they're waiting on your table. Uh, God has placed us all in an area, and he's put us around people that need us to get up close and personal. So as we learn to love like Jesus this morning, my question to you is, how will you get up close and personal? Who are those people in your life that you say, oh, man, I'm just a little afraid of that. I'm just, you know, well, I would never do that. <laughs> do you ever, you ever think like that? I would never do what they do. How could God use me? Or better yet, God, and God has put them right there in front of you. And it's like God just wants you to connect. I mean, do you understand what touch does to somebody? Whenever, whenever we shake a hand, whenever we give somebody a hug, I, just imagine with me this morning if nobody ever touched you. Some of you would be like, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> It's wonderful, you know. I, uh, I was shaking hands with somebody this morning, and uh, they're like, oh, man, you just shook my hand. You shake hands with everybody. Now I got to go wash. Uh, we was having fun. We're, we're joking around. Uh, listen, some people like, like, enjoy more physical interaction. Others, others enjoy more. But the bottom line, do you realize I think it's like there's so many times a day that you, you just bump into somebody, you shake a hand, you have human interaction. Imagine in your, in your husband and wife, in your family, you're never, never touching, never holding each other's hand, never hugging. The communication goes down, doesn't it? The relationship just goes way down. Imagine your kids. There, there were studies that were done where, where people didn't touch, 
touch their kids, didn't hold them, didn't, didn't you know, tap on a shoulder, a hug. Man, it don't take long for the kid to get depressed. It doesn't take long for the kid to feel like nothing's happening in his life because we need human interaction. Jesus came along and he touches the leper. He's not afraid to get dirty. How about in your community? Uh, what, what are some areas that, that you've been avoiding the dirt? Because you really like the holy huddle. The holy huddles are cool, aren't they? We just feel so good. Oceans, man, that rocks. But there's a messy world out there when we go back, right? It's really messy. And I got to put my arm around some people. Who are you willing to interact with? John 13. Let's continue. We're looking here. First of all, we see that Jesus interacted by by being up close and personal. Now we're going to fast forward. It's the last week of Jesus' life. And Jesus comes uh, here in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. It's uh, John, remember, he's an eyewitness. He tells us, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father. So he's setting it up. He's telling us, look, here's what's happening. This is the Last Supper. He's getting ready to have one of the most memorable events with his disciples and, um, and, and it's been a long week already. This is actually the day before his crucifixion. Now, now keep that in mind as we continue to study this this morning. This is the day before he goes to the cross. The disciples don't know that he's going to the cross. They, they can't see what's about to happen. Jesus knows what's coming. He knows what's coming. And it says there, and it, the John tells us, he says, having loved his own who were in the world... He loved them to the end. Having loved them, who, who were in the world? His disciples. Uh, he, they were still here. They were living. They were infiltrating the world. That's what God's called us to do, to go out and infiltrate the world. We, we're to be his witnesses, all right? He says, to my disciples who were in the world. By the way, this whole series talking about loving like Jesus. How did Jesus say they'll know that you love how will, the, how will the world know about Jesus by our love one for another? Love is a crucial element of this whole picture. Uh, how we interact, how we treat each other, how we treat the body of Christ, how we treat the outside the body of Christ, how we treat people. The way that you love is a big indicator of your love for God. And so he's coming here and he says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. I, I, I love that. He loved them till the end. He wasn't running away. He wasn't, and as a matter of fact, John is telling us, he's giving us something here because as we're going to see in the next couple of verses, he does something that is remarkable. The day before he goes to the cross, he's about ready to show them his love. He continues his love, and he loves them till the very end. Verse 2, and supper being ended, the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So here he is. Uh, he's, he's interacting with his disciples, and Judas is there. Judas is present, and it was already stirring in Judas that he's going to betray. So Jesus knows, and John's giving us, this is an eyewitness. John didn't know at that moment that Judas was going to betray the master. But here they are, and, and this, this, this discussion kind of breaks out. Um, if you go over to the book of Luke for the same account, Luke tells us that at the Last Supper dinner, that there was a discussion that broke out. Now remember, Palm Sunday. Then Monday, he drives out the temple, right? He goes in the temple and he overturns the change table and, uh, and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. That's a big day. That is Monday before he goes to the cross. Tuesday, he has big interaction with the, uh, with the religious leaders. It's like this, this big quarrel. Wednesday is kind of a day of rest. We don't see anything recorded on, about Wednesday. And then Thursday, we see they're in the upper room. And so they're coming off of all this, and they're thinking about this movement that this Jesus is making. They're thinking about the great movement. They're thinking in their minds, he's going to be the king. And they start fighting amongst themselves. And Luke records it for us. Luke says that they were saying, now, who will be greatest among us in the kingdom? Now, picture this. There's 12 disciples here. 
who will be greatest in the kingdom? And, and, you know, just imagine John. John's, well, you know, I'm the beloved disciple. Of course, it's me, right? That's how he referred to himself, the beloved disciple, the one that Jesus loved. Uh, and how about Peter? Could you imagine Peter saying, well, it's got to be me, guys. I walked on water. You know, you all stayed in a boat, but I did the walking on the water. So I, I, it's, it obviously is me. I, and and you just hear this discussion going back and forth. So Jesus is hearing this discussion, and he's thinking, I'm going to the cross tomorrow, and these guys, they don't get it yet. <laughs> they don't get it yet. These guys are, are worried about who's the greatest in the kingdom. Don't they remember how I told them that the, if you want to be great is to serve? Don't they remember that I did not come to, to, uh, to be served but to serve? Why are they not catching this picture? And so, so he comes before them and, uh, and he does something. It's in that context that Jesus does something that's, that's kind of radical. Uh, he, he, he has this, verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he knew that his mission, he was on track with the mission. He knew what he was doing. Verse 4, so he got up from the mill and took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus, uh, Jesus, cold heart. They got dirty feet. What can I do? What can I do? So, so he grabs a towel and he grabs the water and he let me wash your feet. Many churches do foot washing as part of their communion. It's a very, very interesting practice that some churches do that. But let me take you back to what foot washing was really all about. The, the whole foot washing was not meant to be a religious ordinance in the church. It was an ordinance of whenever you come to your house, and it was hospitality. You see, in, in biblical times, you didn't have these nice closed shoes and socks. You came with open, open-toed shoes very much like sandals. Uh, um, you know, you, you have an open-faced shoe. And so they're walking, and you're, you're not talking paved roads and sidewalks. You're talking dirt and dust, cobblestone. The, the Romans made this cobblestone roads everywhere. It's dirt and dust. It's an agricultural society. So when you showed up at somebody's house, your feet were dirty. If you walked any length of time to get there, your feet were dirty. It's that, you, you remember when you were a kid, how you come back from playing all day, and you had that dirt all over you? I don't know. Do you remember that where you could just peel the dirt off you? Anybody remember that? Yeah. I'm glad I'm the only one who, not the only one who had that problem, right? Uh, and every now and then today, you go out, you work hard, you cut the grass, you can, you can peel that off. That's what would happen on their feet on a regular basis. And so, so Jesus is looking at them and he, and he goes over and, and, and this was customary for a master to say to you, if you came to their house, would you like your feet washed? See, it'd be like this. If you came to my house, I would take your coat. May I have your coat? I'd hang up your coat, right? Then I would say, well, would you like to have a seat? Would you like a glass of water? I, I would do things to make you feel comfortable in my home, and I would do things that are customary, customary like this. But a master, the, the owner of the house, would offer you that, but he would never do it. He would say, may I, may I Vic, would you like to have your feet washed? And, uh, and Vic would respond, yes. Then the master would be like, well, my servant will wash your feet. You, you, you see that? Now, I've, I've got power. Okay, Vic, how beautiful your feet are, right? My servant's going to wash them. I, I, want you, I want you to think about this because th- this, is, this is really incredible. They, uh, they would come. They, you would come into their house, and they would greet one another with a kiss, and then they would offer a foot washing. But a master would never say, let me wash your feet. He would never say, allow me to wash your feet. He would always say, my servant. And it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of power. And it is incredible hospitality. Why? Why would the servant not do that? Because feet can be pretty nasty, can't they? Um, I've asked my wife many times for a foot rub. And she has, for 24 years, told me absolutely no. 
Absolutely. I, I'll tell you what, I get headaches, I get shoulder, shoulder massage, I, get a, I, can, I can get the old head rub. She won't come near my feet. I know I got Shrek feet. It's okay, you know. But it, it's like she won't touch those feet. And, and, and you see, that's, that's what this is like. It's like, man, you know, you know. But somehow she thinks that her feet are much more beautiful than mine, and I could rub hers, right? Uh, you, you see, here this is. This is what it was like that, you know, when, when feet can be really nasty. It's like, it's like uh, Dr. Seuss, you know, big feet, little feet, small feet, stinky feet. How many feet do you meet, right? The bottom line is that fit wa- foot washing was reserved for a slave. And so here's Jesus. It's his last time, the last supper as we know it. He's coming up here and, and he says, uh, these guys have cold hearts and their feet are really nasty. And he sees a need and he doesn't call a servant. That's who normally washes the feet. He gets the towel. And he gets the basin. Peter, let me wash your feet. Peter says, oh, Lord, you shouldn't wash my feet. That's the position of a servant. If you're going to wash my feet, then wash all of me. Jesus, you could just hear him laughing. Oh, Peter, you're already part. I've already washed your heart. You're already on the movement here. You're already following me. Just let me wash your feet. Just This is a simple act. Let me do this for you. Imagine him coming. Judas Iscariot, he washed Judas' feet. In humility, Jesus washes the foot of of the very person who's going to betray him in another hour or two. You want to talk about humility. You want to talk about there's nothing too, too far below me. This, who was this that was washing these feet? This was Jesus, the same Jesus whose birth was announced by angelic host in the sky. 33 years earlier, the heavenly host come and sing, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. That's who they were announcing, this Jesus. This Jesus who was present at creation. That's who was on his knees with a towel wrapped around him and drying their feet after he washes them. It was the very one who was present at creation. John 1.14 tells us that, uh, that, that he made his flesh, God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That he, he was present at creation. This is the one who is doing this. It is Jesus, the Son of God. He's the living water. He, he's the living water. He told the woman at the well, if you drink from the water that I have, you'll never be thirsty again. And here he is on his knees to a bunch of fishermen, and he's washing their feet. This was the Lamb of God. John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was the Lamb of God from eternity who steps into time and he is bowing down on his knees in humility and he is washing the feet of these disciples. He's the true vine. He was the bread of life. He was the light of the world, the living stone. He was the king of glory, the prince of peace, the the prince of peace, the great high priest. He was the righteous judge. He's the chosen one. This is who was on his knees, washing the feet of 12 fishermen who were struggling with the question of who will be greatest in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is down on his knees and he says, I see a need and I might as well meet it. And I see a need. And so he saw a need and he got down on his knees and he met it. And it was the ultimate act of humility. This was the very God. Psalm, Psalm 19, 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. It is this God who is now on his knees before 12 fishermen who are arguing over who is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Jesus saw a need and he met it. And this, my friends, is the secret of loving like Jesus, is to learn how to serve like Jesus. When we learn how to serve like Jesus, we see a need and we meet it. It's that simple. See a, meet, see a need and meet it. As you look through life, see a need and meet it. I want to encourage you to look for needs, and as you see a need, meet them. 
You know, I'm out with people all the time, and as, as I'm with people, I see needs all the time. And there, there's no way that we can meet all the needs, but there, we can meet some of the needs. Right, let me just give you a small, small illustration. I was away with a group of pastors, and, and these group, this group took us pastors out for dinner, and it was a very nice, nice restaurant. And I'll never forget because, man, they took care of the bill. That was great, right? When they take care of the bill, you're even happier. The food somehow tastes better. I don't know, all right? So, so we're out there, this group of pastors. We had a great meeting, and this, this guy kept coming. His name was George, and George kept coming and serving my table and kept refilling my water and kept making sure that I was well taken care of, and I was not used to service like this. It was incredible. And I was like, wow, this guy is unbelievable. But I noticed not too many people were even talking to those people. They were kind of like not recognized in the room, right? Because they were here to serve us. And then when the time came at the end, I noticed that none of the other pastors were leaving a tip. And I thought, that's kind of weird. And then one of my friends said, well, you understand. They took care of it. They'll leave them a good tip. And I said you know what? George has been really good to me. I need to somehow show some sort of gratification to George. I need to respond to George and let him know that, hey, George, you did really good. We had a great meeting and the cheesecake was to die for, but you were unbelievable. Thank you so much for serving. So you know what? The, the, The group met up and I saw everybody's walking around. I go over to George and, you know, I put my hand in my pocket and I felt this this paper bill in there, money that's not normally in my pocket. It's normally in the pocket of my wife or my children, right? Easy come, easy go. I put my hand in there, and I'm like, God, what are you talking to me about? I'm like, no, that's not God talking. Couldn't be. And I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, George, i got to tell you something. This was incredible. You, you served us so kind. And then I, I reached into my pocket, and I, and I took this paper bill. And I was like, oh, Lord, okay? And I put it in his hand, and I said, George, I just want to thank you because you did an outstanding job here. I know that they're giving you something, but I just want you to know that I personally, up close and personal, thank you for what you did for me tonight because I was never without water. I always had ice in my water. I had anything I needed, and you were willing to do anything that I wanted, and I want to thank you. And you know what George did to me? He turned around and looked at me. You know, he's got the, the fancy waiter. This was this is a really nice restaurant. He says, sir, thank you so much. He says, I work here every day, and I don't remember the last time that anybody said you did a good job. He said, they leave tips all the time, but nobody came up and personally told me that you did a good job. I thank you, sir. Thank you, sir, so much. And you see what happened? I made a connection. It was up close and personal. I impacted him, not by, hey, I can leave a tip. Yeah, that's really nice. I left a tip in his hand. I didn't leave him a gospel track. I did a wedding one time for a lady she was getting married. She worked in Atlanta in the Bible Belt. She said the worst day, as she was a waitress, she said the worst day of her week was to work on Sunday when Christians come out of church and would leave gospel tracts instead of tips and would be rude and mad because their water wasn't on time. She said, what is wrong with Christianity? And I apologized on behalf of Christianity to her. That girl came to Christ. But it wasn't because somebody slid a gospel track under in place of a tip in place of hey you are a human being do you see the difference um look for a need in how you can meet it uh how maybe it's your neighbor's grass you can go cut the neighbor's grass i was so thankful my neighbor he cut my grass a few weeks ago caleb york give my hand our youth pastor give my hand i mean really you gotta give my hand yeah it was uh it, it was easter week and i was burnt out man and, and my grass hadn't been cut yet for the year. And I was, you know, I was excusing it was going to keep snowing, you know. And, uh, and all of a sudden I look, I come home from Saturday night on Easter, Saturday night service, and my grass was cut. That's the first time I ever hugged Caleb. It was wonderful, you know. <laughs> it's like, the, the, you, you see what he did. He saw a need and he met it. He's not going to gain anything eternally. He's not going to get a reward in heaven. Maybe he will. I don't know. 
But he got my appreciation. And he, he, didn't, he didn't ask, hey, do you need your grass cut? He saw it was glaring. The whole neighborhood's ready to sign a petition. He cut my grass. Um, how, about, how about friends that are in need? Somebody's moving. You know, when you hear a friend that's moving, uh, typically you like to run, don't you? You know? I know we've had a number of people in our church moving, and I hear, I hear them all getting together, and, and groups are getting together, people helping, helping each other. It's powerful. How about, how about when a teen needs spiritual guidance? You know, there, there, there are teenagers in our church. May I share this with you? The teenagers are dying for adults to talk to them. I spent most of my life working with teenagers. I love teenagers. They're my favorite people in the whole world. I wish I could still be a teenager. Listen, they're, they're wonderful. Uh, they are dying for you to say hello to them. They are dying for you to approve them. You know, I, I look up on our stage here, and I see young people up here. It's phenomenal. Leah, Leah's up here singing. She's ninth or 10th grade in high school. It's wonderful. Man, go up and encourage her and say, hey, good job, Leah. And we're excited that you're up here. A few weeks ago, we had a, a 12-year-old, Xavier. He's, he's 11, turning 12, and he, he plays the drum. He fills in. Eric is a, a, a regular drummer. Eric's a phenomenal drummer. Every now and then, Eric needs a break, and, and so different people will step up, and, and Xavier is so eager to do it. Why? Because he gets to serve. Why? Because he's not going to church. He gets to be the church. And may I encourage you with your, your perspective on church, your perspective on Christianity, don't come and go to church. Come and be the church. Take up a place of where's their need. You know, we have needs right now in the nursery. I told you we're going to have a baby dedication because this place is growing like crazy. Babies are coming out. Stop drinking the water at church or you're going to have a baby, all right? It's just incredible. Um, but uh, that's why we got rid of the water fountain, all right? So anyhow, uh, I, I want you to think about this. Uh, if you will see a need, we need people to babysit in the nursery. Do you know whenever you watch that baby in the nursery, do you understand what you're doing? You are serving the king. Is there anything that is too great for the king, God of the universe? He took the towel around him, took his outer garment off, and he got down and he washed the feet of 12 fishermen? There's a need. Jump in and fill it. Uh, you, you know what? When, uh, whenever I, if you put me in the nursery, I've pretty much served everywhere in the church, and the nursery's by far not the best place for me. Parents don't enjoy when I'm in a nursery. Uh, they come, why has my kid been crying all the time? I say, well, I don't know. Uh, they ask me, well, why is my kid diaper full? I say, because he went to the bathroom. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's the common, right? Do, do, do you understand this? Look, there's people, God's given us all different gifts and all this, and we're supposed to use our gifts to edify him. And when I, when I serve the body or I serve the community, I'm edifying so that you and so that this community will find Jesus Christ. God did not give you or me a gift so that we will be comfortable. Quite honestly, I think many times we use our gift and we're not comfortable. It's not about me. What's in it for me? We think of this all the time. What's in it for me? Let me tell you, there may not be anything in it for you. God's called you to serve. But I do believe this, that whenever you go out and start to serve, lives are changed. Lives are changed. When you come and you, you clean, clean the nursery, you clean a baby's bottom down there, you're changing somebody's life for eternity. There's somebody sitting up here who God is having a moment with and having a connection saying, wow, my life will be forever changed because I didn't have this, my baby crying for a half hour and I could hear something about Jesus. How about the third graders? You know, we have a, a number of kids who come up, third, fourth, fifth grade. I, I love being in the hallways with them, high-fiving them. Some of them come for hugs. Why? Because we're meeting a need. Do you know you have a need for somebody to know your name? You can feel that. I, you know, there's no way I can know everybody's name. No way you can know everybody's name. But you can know the names of a few. And just imagine with me, what would happen if, if you said, I'm going to go down and I'm going to be a part of the children's ministry and I'm going to learn little kids' names. And, and I'm going to look at, look at little Katie. I'm going to look at little Johnny. I'm going to look at little Susie. And I'm going to 
I'm just going to say hi to them every week, and I'll be a helper downstairs. Just a helper. I'm not a public speaker. I can't do any of that, but I'll just do what I can do. You see, there's a need, and you can meet it. And when we take that, if we can look at the need and meet it, this is how God begins to work, and God does powerful things in our life. And the lives that are changed are not just their lives, your life. I think whenever you go downstairs and you start to learn the kids' names, guess whose life changes more? Yours does. Because God's given you a third-grade friend that you never knew you had before. And God gave you a third-grader that you can impact on and you can pray over. And that third-grader just may be the next pastor of the church one day. That third, or third grader just may be up here leading music one day. That third grader just may go out and change the world. Get your kids serving. I want to encourage us families. Let's take our kids and serve. You know, if we don't serve, if we don't serve together, do you realize if, if I have 18 years while my kids were home, I had 18 years. I took my kids and I said, you're serving. I don't want to. You don't have a choice. You're going to serve. You're coming with me. And it wasn't legalistic. It wasn't pounded. I'm not saying like that. But I said, come on. Listen, I want you to know there is joy over here. But I want to go do something else. No kidding. Everybody else wants to go do something else. I brought my kids along and said, taste this. Just taste it. See what happens, right? Man, today I'm, I'm thrilled as I watch and I watch other people around the church. I'm watching people that, that once you start to taste it, all of a sudden God does something to you because you have value. You are not coming and getting some knowledge. You are now coming and being the church. You are having a value. You have a place in the kingdom of God. So I want to encourage you, jump in and find a place to serve. Go out in our community. Let's transform this community for Christ. Cut your neighbor's grass. Find a reason to do something. Find an excuse to, to help somebody. Uh, I was driving past my neighbor the other day, and his car wouldn't start. And I pulled my car over and said, do you need a jump? And he looked at me like, you have time for me? And I was so convicted. I was like, God, have I been that busy that my neighbor didn't think I could actually stop and jump his car? see, Jesus, he saw needs, and he stopped, and he met them. Serving isn't just about your actions. It's about your attitude. What can you do to touch somebody's life? When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, and he returned to this place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He wasn't talking about an ordinance. He was talking here about you ought to wash, you ought to serve. If I, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, can come and serve, don't you think you ought to serve each other? I have set an example that you should also do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You'll be blessed. Not if you know, if you do. Let's pray. As we close our service this morning, we have a few people getting ready for baptism. And uh, I want you to know that those folks that are getting ready for baptism, they, they're a result of somebody serving them. Somebody's come alongside them and has served them for years, has served this family, and this family is now serving, and God is transforming their lives. And this morning, I want to encourage you, will you walk the journey of serving? Will you? You want to be happy? You want to be blessed? Do these things. Look for the opportunity. Would you just make this your prayer every day? Lord, what is my assignment today? Imagine if you woke up tomorrow and you, and you had that. That was your prayer to God. Lord, what is my assignment today? Whom shall I serve today? God, put me, show me the need and, and prompt my heart to meet it. Father God, I pray you'll be with each person as we respond to your goodness. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to celebrate these baptisms this morning for your transforming lives. And we're so thrilled 
that you've transformed ours. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been walking the same old road for miles and miles. You've been hearing the same old voice of the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, well, there's a better life. Well, there's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. Ourselves on out from the same.